0: Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Be prepared, I whispered to myself. Be prepared, I whispered again, and then again, and then another time after that. As I whispered this phrase on repeat, I packed my bag full of all the things I was certain I would need. Even then, though, I was certain that I would forget something. I always have. I always did. Anyway... I digress, I'm not very comfortable giving my name, but let me just tell you a little bit about myself. In this present time I am 21 years old, a senior in college, and I was once a boy scout. A very proud and active boy scout at that. Starting from the age of 5 with the Tiger Cubs, I was constantly involved with everything pertaining to the craft, or crafts in this case with the number of merit badges there are. Though I loved every bit of scouting activity almost equivalently, the one I loved above all else was probably its most commonly known one. Camping. Not only was it great fun being able to hang out with friends around the campfire and sing American Pie, or whatever other song might fit the occasion, but it was also quite unnerving to say the least. Just being out in the middle of nowhere. Now, I'm not trying to say that I enjoy being scared or anything, but I certainly enjoy the rush of adrenaline, the pure excitement of what camping really was, just being out there in the untamed wilderness, in a place where mankind had not found any sense of true safety or comfort in since the first few centuries of its own existence. It just goes to show why the word bravery is a part of the scout law. Successfully spending the entire night out in such an unpredictable and potentially hostile environment can make all sense of fear seemingly wash away. One will feel like they can face anything, do anything. Or at least that's how I once felt. So back to me packing my bag. It was a Friday afternoon in October close to Halloween, ironically enough. I was only a freshman in high school, 14 years old, at the time of this trip, which I would be leaving for the following Saturday morning. I can still remember what forest it was that we were going to. It was somewhere in the middle of Bear Mountain State Park, I think. All I knew was that our troop had never really been there before, not even before I joined. In the Scoutmaster's own words... They were trying to mix things up for a change, and give us the sense of real wilderness. My dad, being one of the scoutmasters, clarified this statement for me later on. He explained that the place was much farther out than our previous campouts, far more isolated away from civilization. My heart raced from pure excitement as he further explained that we would be hiking in order to get to the location. A good five miles at that. All we'll have to camp is whatever we can carry on our backs, he concluded with a smile. That was about two weeks ago. Now, here we are, packing the car only sparsely, and then hugging my mom goodbye. As we turned the corner to leave our tent, I looked behind my seat and into the trunk at what little supplies we had the two tents we had were just about the smallest I had ever seen. They could only fit about one person each, lest one be willing to sleep on top of the other. We drove for well over two hours, yet, with such a long drive, only about a quarter of it was spent in the modern world. In but the first half hour, we had already sped past the last of any building that stood to be more than two stories tall, then left the highway about ten minutes after that. From there, we were consumed in a strange, yet familiar world, one that I had frequented many times before. There were still some buildings to be seen amongst the overgrown fields and towering trees, but spotting one was about as infrequent as spotting another car traveling the opposite direction, or even a deer along the side of the road. Even in the daylight, during the autumn season better yet, Both the living and inanimate objects one could see about the wild terrain were shrouded over by the ever-thickening layers of twisted branches and browning leaves. At some points I would even find my eyes fooling me into believing that the withered stump of a long-since-fallen tree was actually the shadow of a stranger. A ghost, if you will. Just hauntingly staring out from the trees to watch the passers-by The dirt and rock on the road grew constantly rougher upon reaching the last thirty minutes of our journey. The sound of our stock in the back of the van rattled so loudly from the incessant bumping of the vehicle that I'd swear we were carrying a grand load of heavy steel beams, ones used to build the frame of a massive skyscraper. My dad snickered. "'Well?' he called over the commotion. "'It's a good thing we didn't take your mother's car, am I right?' I snickered too as I answered back. Yeah, she'd probably have our heads on spikes. We both laughed. Another hour had passed when I turned around and realized that I couldn't see our van anymore. Beyond those few scouts that laundered behind as we hiked, all there was to view was the front line of trees that overshadowed those further back into the scenery. Those other trees were only discernible by the wind's steady movement of their dark-outlined branches and the crackling, snapping noises they made on occasion. Then, I could see something else moving amongst it. Something. No. Many things that moved through the foremost tree line. The collection of small black shapes fluttered in multiple directions, some up into the sky, and others between the lower and higher branches. Just barely over the other scouts' conversations could I hear the tweeting go back and forth, one of few sounds of nature that one could also take listen to back in our suburban neighborhood. I looked back forward, past the other scouts and the leading scoutmasters that my father chatted with, to see up over the hill as we climbed. There was not much to gander at for a few moments, but then we finally crossed over the last bit of the slope, bringing all that was good into view. It was an unspeakably massive work of natural art. The valley that lay at the base of our current high ground was deep and wide, like the aftermath of a deadly asteroid impacting the earth. But I would be lying if I didn't say it was one of the most incredibly gorgeous things I had ever seen in my life. It was like a physical rainbow, What with the autumnal colors that formed endless lines of red, yellow, and then red again, but then green at the outer edges where the pit finally reached a limit. Such was where the pine trees lay untouched by the seasonal drop in everyday temperature, whilst those that ran down the middle were unable to withstand it. It was still one and a half hour until midday, yet the sun beamed down almost vertically upon the landscape, the assemblage of color gleaming as though it were a diamond or a coating of snow in late January. Off to the left was a mountain, bare mountain, I assumed, looking down upon this breathtaking peace. It was as though it were the creator itself looking down from the heavens to indulge in the splendorous image it had gathered together. I will never forget that moment, that one moment of pure joy where all seemed right with the world, that moment where all hostile things had seemingly melted away from this truly wild land, ceasing to exist, just that one perfect moment, it lay on my mind as we sat around the fire together some eight or nine hours later. We now sat somewhere at the valley center, somewhere between two lines of red and yellow painted trees. We had worked long and hard that day. The hiking was one thing, but the hours of collecting branches and logs were a whole other story. Gathering firewood was, without a doubt, the only activity I truly hated in scouting. The scoutmasters were sticklers when it came to it always insisting that we never had enough. I've mocked them for it, too, joking that we might as well just burn the whole forest down. Then again, it was always an impressive fire, especially that particular night. We had to sit at least six feet away from it. It was so hot. The sun was sitting just at the valley's edge, its light creeping over an even more brilliant red than that of the fire when at the same time Scoutmaster Daniels, unimaginably, pulled out his guitar. The fact that he would bring it up this far, with all the natural obstacles to get through, was just maddening to me. The fun that followed, however, made me easily forget. We sang any song we could think of for a seemingly endless amount of time, One person even requested that we sing the ridiculously annoying campfire song from Spongebob Squarepants, which Scoutmaster Daniels unfortunately accepted. Then again, having grown up watching the show, I did end up singing along just a bit. It was around the time that the fire and our lanterns became the only source of light left in the wood that we began to tell our annual ghost stories. These were nothing new to me. I had heard all the classic ones, like Bigfoot, The Hook, Bloody Mary, and so forth. There was even this one joke story we would tell, where the serial killer turned out to be a simple window wiper looking to offer his service to someone. I believe it was called The Viper. Yes, The Viper was its title. I had become so accustomed to these stories that I remarkably, began to doze off a bit. I let out a yawn. The long, overspoken tales of the boogeyman became like white noise, minuscule background noises. The boogeyman did not hinder my slumber. I leaned my head back in my little pop-up chair and gazed into the air above me. In the shadows, the branches almost resembled tangled and twisting spiderwebs that stretched across the small fissure in the forest's canopy. Through it, though, I could make out the night sky. The stars were seemingly of endless numbers and scope, no speck of cloud to be spotted anywhere in between them. The crystal-clear nature of it made me think for a minute, then finally declare that I would sleep without my tense rainfly that night. When I finally did turn in, the fun was still at its height around the fire pit. It almost seemed to have grown higher since I had left. The light from the flames gleamed brighter than ever before and cast the blackened outlines of moving persons all along the tent walls. The shadows mingled with those of the swaying trees that rustled and crackled in a way so similar to that of the burning wood. This level of commotion miraculously did not hold me from falling unconscious. My eyelids began to flutter ever so slightly until the darkness eventually took me. The sounds of twigs snapping and people laughing then fell to a whisper, and then silence. The memory of that rainbow-like valley was the last thing I saw before my eyes popped back open. What greeted them was once again the sight of the star-filled sky, that glistened through the hole in the treetops above. I had no idea what hour of the night it was, what with the light of the flame and its embers being totally extinguished, leaving no shadows or outlines upon the tent walls as before. All chatter outside had now ceased. No steps or shoes upon the leaves, grass, or twigs. The tents around my own were now presumably full Inside one of many lay those now dozing yet lacking any loud breath or a snore. The crickets were seemingly absent, too, not giving off even the smallest and most quiet chirp. Other steps and calls of the wild were undiscernible by any, especially I. The tent walls did not move or creak with the breeze, nor did any of the trees, There was a heavy lack of branches creaking and snapping from the involuntary movement. No rustling of leaves or small twigs upon the ground. The night was almost unnaturally quiet. Something then broke the silence. A growl. A very low and guttural growl. I felt a pain in my stomach as it wrenched the air once more. I could feel my mouth then begin to fill up slightly more with saliva. I sighed out of pure annoyance. I always ended up eating very little on these trips. Now it was costing me some well-deserved slumber. I sighed once again. The only bit of grub within reach was a large bag tied up in a tree some twenty yards away from where I lay. The scoutmasters had done that to ensure that no larger animals could get to it. So I decided, what the hell, and sat up while fumbling through my left pocket. It was empty. My heart skipped a beat as I then went for my backpack. I unzipped every pouch, looked through every other cup holder and fold that might contain something. Anything. Damn it, I whispered. My flashlight was nowhere to be found. I was more annoyed than ever before. I just knew I would forget something. I always did. Had the firelight not lent me some illumination as I was preparing for bed, maybe I would have realized my mistake sooner. Well, either way, I was getting to that food bag. It didn't matter what darkness might hinder me. I would never fall asleep on an empty stomach. I again looked up through the roof of the tent. Through the tangled web of branches above me lay the multitudes of stars as always. But off to the right, half hidden by the much thicker layers of brush, a pale yet brilliant glow was shining down. The lunar phase was unclear due to it being partly cut off. Aside from the stars it seemed to be my only bit of light. I unzipped the front of the tent, slowly and stealthily, as to not disturb any of the other tents. I crept out, and the darkness was, at first, an almost endless and impenetrable black. My eyes then began to adjust to the shadows. What unveiled was the outlines of trees and some other tents that lay close to my own, I threw on my boots and began to make the slow walk through the scantily illuminated land about me. I looked up into the trees and admittedly felt a chill run through me. In fairy tales you'd probably find the setting of a haunted wood with blackened and barren trees, a place where only goblins, werewolves, and witches can find a place to call home. In that moment, staring into those sparsely detailed outlines of the forest, it almost gave the feeling of being in that sort of environment. I even half expected to hear a howl somewhere off in the distance. Luckily, I did not, but I did hear my stomach groan again. Another slight pain filled my stomach. I began to watch the forest floor to ensure that I didn't trip on any loose rocks or tree roots, as I walked. Thankfully, there weren't many to be mindful of. What I did see, though, was the specks of moonlight that dotted the ground. Their dim glow seemed to flicker in and out, with the slight movements of branches. What little movement there was with the lack of wind. The forest was still as silent as ever. It was so quiet that I could even hear my own small breaths creeping over my lips my stomach growling again. Another slight pain filled my stomach. Then, after a few more steps, I came to the foot of one particularly large object. I looked up and felt my heart almost jump from relief. There was the rope, tied strong around the middle of the trunk. Some twenty-odd feet above me was the sack of food. Now, it was a matter of taking it down. As I reached for the rope, my stomach growled again. I felt no significant pain in my stomach. Another growl. No pain. Yet, another growl. No pain. My heart jumped again, this time much harder. The growl rang out again this time much louder. It was coming from off to my left. I shot my head in that direction, and my eyes fell on nothing but shadow. The shrouded figure of trees and some bushes was all there was to make out in between the shapeless open void that lay ahead. I stared into the darkness for about a minute and saw nothing. Just as I was about to turn back to the tree, though, I took notice to one area of the scene. An object that appeared to be somewhat darker than the rest. It almost seemed to be growing the more I looked at it. And after some time, I began to pick up on a collection of new noises. The sounds of dirt, twigs, and leaves reacting to some kind of pressure. It grew louder and louder and louder. Something was coming. What it was, I did not know, but that was all the more reason to get back to my tent. Scouting had taught me enough about the nocturnal beasts that stalked this environment. For all I knew, it could be a bear, or even a mountain lion. I took my hands back from the rope, not loosening the knot, and slowly began to make my escape. As I crept away, I kept my eyes focused on the splotches of scant moonlight, as to ensure that I did not step on any loose objects that could potentially create a loud enough sound. I didn't hear anything else for a while. The journey back to the tent seemed to take longer than it did to find the tree. After what felt like two minutes, I passed by the first darkened shape of a tent. When I reached the presumed center of this site, the sounds of that thing's movement kicked up again. It seemed to be quieter now. I walked closer and closer to my tent, and all the while the sounds got quieter and quieter. Realizing this, I spared a moment to think. I was considering maybe just going to one of the leader's tents, or even my dad's tent. I could wake up the whole site that way, and scare the thing off. I heard it move again. Crack. For a moment, I assumed it had just stepped on a particularly larger and therefore louder branch. Then, when it came to me, I ran. I ran as though being pursued by hell itself, which may have very well been the case. The sounds of leaves and twigs cracking beneath my quickened steps made me cringe. My heartbeat slammed as I heard the same kinds of sounds still close behind me miraculously I had left my tent door sitting wide open I jumped inside zipping the door up and then began scrambling through my bag I found my knife sitting at the bottom of the foremost pocket the one thing that I never forget to bring on any trips I fell flat onto the top of my sleeping bag and waited no more sounds I waited in silence I waited anxiously. All I did was stare up through the tent's roof, knife flicked open and clenched tightly against my chest. The stars were all still there, flickering through the leaves. In the middle now stood the full presence of the moon, a waning gibbous. I kept my eyes focused on it, like a pet on its owner while they eat at the dinner table. I waited, I waited for what seemed like more than an hour, there was not even the slightest creak of the tent from any small breeze, my stomach now seemed to stop grumbling, as though it too understood the situation, after some time, I finally heard something, something low, and heavy, bumps two bumps that pounded steadily in my ears with so much as half a second's pause in between. Boom, 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 boom. My pulse was racing like this from the moment I had entered the tent, but now it was worse than ever. Boom, 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 boom. The night remained deathly inaudible. I continued to stare at the moon. Boom, 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 boom. The handle of the knife was cold, yet I could feel the sweat breaking out. It soaked my palms, and some even dotted my brow. I continued to stare at the moon. Boom 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 crack. It seemed to have been almost two hours when I first heard that sound. It was loud, and therefore it was close. It seemed to have come from about ten feet away, through the right-hand wall of the tent. I did not keep my eyes off the moon. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Crack. I was first confused. The confusion then quickly turned to terror. It had come from beyond the left-hand wall this time, now closer than the previous sound. Whatever this thing was, it was moving fast, Unnaturally fast, in fact, at least for any larger animal up here in the northeast. I did not keep my eyes off the moon. As far as I was concerned, its light was my only real sense of protection. My glorified butter knife be damned. Yet, all I wanted was for it to become sunlight. All I wanted was for this night to be over. Boom boom, boom boom, crack. It came through the front door that time. The door didn't move or rip. Boom, 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 crack. Again, it came through the front door. Silence. Then, after about a minute, the growling started back up. It was easier to hear now being that the beast was so close, and it was truly one of the most, if not the most, strange and horrifying sound I had ever heard. What it sounded like, at least to me, was a human, gargling water, yet deep in pitch, and blended in with it was something of a low-pitched humming noise. I continued to gaze intently at the half-formed orb in the sky. (sniffs) My whole body tensed up. I gripped the handle of the dagger even tighter, though it almost slipped from my hands due to the profuse amount of sweat. I had to cover my mouth with my hand, what with how heavy I was now breathing. I felt my veins run cold as I heard another branch crack to my left, but I did not take my eyes off the moon. Another growl rang through the night. It sounded angry. It was as though it were an animal standing its ground, asserting its dominance, My heart skipped a beat upon realizing this. I began to tremble, as though shivering from a chill in the air. I again almost dropped the knife when I heard the right-hand wall itself almost seem to growl at me. My nervous system kicked in, and for the first time in hours, the moon left my sight. My eyes, my head darted over to the right-hand wall and remained focused solely upon it. For about two minutes or more, I stared at it, almost in a trance as I waited for the next crack or growl to resonate from somewhere, anywhere. Silence. For an uncomfortable amount of time, there was nothing but silence. My heartbeat, once again, was all that I could hear. It did not cease its incessant pounding. Boom, 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 boom. There was no crack of a branch. Boom, 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 boom. No growl rang through the night. Boom, 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 boom. I turned my head back to the roof and resumed staring into the pale, rounded light. I was so tired now. My eyelids began to fall. The moon was going dark. No, not now. I couldn't fall asleep now. It was still out there. It had to be. I opened my eyes again. Everything still seemed dark. I took a deep breath and shook my head violently, fighting back the urge to fall unconscious. For a moment, I was somewhat calm. Enough so that it seemed my heartbeat was beginning to slow. Boom boom, boom boom. I resumed being as I was before, staring into the darkness above. Darkness. My heartbeat quickened up again, almost faster than ever. Boom, 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 boom. The moon was gone. The waning gibbous. My only real sense of protection. My nightlight. Gone. The knife finally fell from my hand as I again began to tremble. It rolled down my stomach and, upon hitting the tent floor made a metallic thud against a rock somewhere beneath the canvas surface. In almost the same moment this happened, the dark itself seemed to move. As it did, a glow began to quickly form around it. A glow so familiar that it could only be one thing. Moonlight. The creature. The beast. Whatever it was, was standing over the tent staring down at me on my sleeping bag the light of the moon and the stars outlined its ungodly figure <laughs> a humanoid creature it appeared to be yet its head was almost too perfectly curved it was almost like a sculpted head one with no ears or even any hair its skin seemed to be a bit rough in texture but the color of it was undiscernible. The most disturbing part of it all, though, was the shape of its body. While its head was somewhat skinny, its body was bloated and completely malformed. Its right arm was so much bigger and distorted than its left arm, as though it had been injected with some kind of super steroid. Beyond this, the facial features were completely unseen." All there to behold being its gargantuan shadow. Then, very slowly, it raised up its much skinnier arm and began running its hand down the netting of the tent. Doing so revealed its horribly twisted hand, its disturbingly long fingers making something of a scratching sound as they slowly cut through the thin, thread-like netting. Mm-hmm. I wept. I wept hard. The tears streamed down in droves. I began to hyperventilate. It grew worse and worse as the netting fell more and more in two from the creature's claws. I was no longer a scout, no longer a man of courage who had spent the past 12 or more hours on the camping trip of a lifetime, no longer one who could see the civility in an unpredictable, hostile environment now I was nothing more than a child a child that lay weak and cowardly in his darkened bedroom shrinking away from the boogeyman that lurked in the shadows lurked inside nothing more than old tales that ran through their head only now the old tales were real the boogeyman was real There was no method of escape to be found here. I was trapped. Trapped in what was inevitably my final resting place. My tent, I now must say, is comparable to that of a coffin. Above me stood my undertaker. (sniffs) Already dead. I was already dead, and yet I found myself grabbing for the knife. I held the cold blade up to the beast and shut my eyes tightly. Even in the darkness, I could still sense its movement. Its gargantuan figure was reaching down to me. Hey! The call came from what seemed to be the back wall. Following it was the sound of movement, what sounded like two or three things rushing in my direction. The creature snarled in response but that snarl then quickly morphed into a shrill wail, one that echoed for what seemed like miles into the night. For a moment, I half-opened my eyes as it screamed seemingly in pain. In the blurriness of the scene, I saw very little. I did not see an attacker or even hear some sort of struggle between two entities. Rather, I saw the creature, the boogeyman, in full display, shining in a beam of light for but the briefest of seconds. Hey, go, get out of here! In those few moments before it had taken off, I could remember only two things about it. The pink of its skin and the pale white of its eyes. The wailing echoed farther and farther away into the distance as I once again made eye contact with the moon. Its pale light was quickly overpowered, though, by many far brighter lights, the lights that truly protected me. I shut my eyes to them and saw nothing else. When I awoke, the scene had changed. Above me was a pale light, yes, but it wasn't the moon or even heaven, for that matter. It was a lamp. I sat up and found that I was inside now. The walls were painted white, and I saw, hanging on one of them, a picture of a pink-skinned humanoid, a diagram of human muscles. I was laying in a bed at the hospital. The nurse, sitting at my bedside, looked up at me and spoke. Oh, good. You're finally awake. Wait here for a moment. I'll get the doctor. The doctor came in some two minutes later. My parents followed swiftly. He explained what had happened. Everything's all right, okay? Nothing serious happened. You simply were in shock. Shock? I said, slightly confused. Yes, shock he answered. You're truly a lucky kid, though. What, almost getting killed by that thing? Your father and the others got there just in time. Scared it away with all their shouting and their flashlights. What did you say it was again? A black bear, right? My dad nodded. I was flabbergasted. I was completely beside myself. A black bear... A damn black bear of all things. My dad had to have gotten a good look at it. He had to have seen its colors of pink and white. Its absolutely grotesque figure. But... But I... I looked hard at my dad, frowning. But the face he gave in response was enough to mellow me down. The look one gives as if to say... Don't. I... I guess you're right. Luckiest child in the world. I faked a smile at the doctor. He smiled back as he told my parents to follow him out of the room. As they left, my dad looked back at me, smiling slightly, and nodded. I nodded back. He is right, you know. There are very few who would believe it. I'm sure that even you, listening to this have your doubts. Now, if you were to ask me what it was that I encountered in the woods that night, I still don't have an answer. I'm still madly searching for one to this day. Hell, I've even considered going back to that trail with a loaded firearm this time around. But even then, I don't think I would find anything. That's probably how it will remain. I mean... No one's ever captured Bigfoot, right? No cop has ever arrested and booked a hooligan for butchering a young couple with his hooked appendage. No real records out there of somebody having been slaughtered by a woman in their mirror. No parent has ever claimed, with dignity, to have seen the boogeyman hiding beneath their child's bed. Thus, my story is nothing more than a simple campfire tale it is just as much a joke as the story of the Viper. With that said, I ask of you these simple requests. If you too are a Boy Scout, or even just a simple lover of nature, think twice about what shadows are cast among the trees. Think long and hard about those stories that you hear around the campfire. Most important, above all though, If you plan to spend the night amongst those blackened, twisted shapes, having nothing but the moonlight to stand at your side, remember these two simple words. Be prepared. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. For context, I attend a community college in Northern California. It's an overall great college, but the downside to this campus is the location. The layout of this building in particular has four floors total and also has stairs that point directly to the street and to the other parts of the campus. Let's just say... Crimes are the norm here. We have your average creeps, too. Since I work 40 hours a week, I end up taking night classes because of how well they fit my work schedule. Recently at our campus, we had a homeless man expose himself to one of our classmates after class. Evidently, was caught due to the security footage, and obviously, that wasn't a smart move. We also had another unrelated incident where a man was hanging around the women's restroom, and was caught as well. Since this specific incident has occurred, I've been checking my email for updates on this recent incident that happened on our campus, with no luck. As I was exiting out of my chemistry class, feeling dazed after taking our third exam of this semester, I call my boyfriend, because we planned after class to get groceries. I usually take the stairs that are directly near the street, because it's a quicker way to get to the parking lot. My boyfriend mentions that we should meet up at Walmart, and I agreed. As I was going to hang up the phone, I noticed a lone man on the first floor with his bike just standing there. I did a double take to see if he was waiting for anyone in particular, but was just standing there with no expression. My boyfriend mentioned that he'll be at the store in 10 minutes, and suddenly... I hear the man laughing maniacally. It had a strange resemblance to the Joker and thoroughly sent chills down my spine. Stay on the line, please. Don't hang up. There's a man on the first floor laughing at what seems to be nothing. He's just standing there. All right, no problem, my boyfriend says. I head across the building to head to the other stair exit, and as I'm doing so, I can still hear the man laughing. My boyfriend told me that it would be wise to find another classmate or a student so that I wouldn't be alone, but due to having an afternoon class, most students have returned home. As I'm heading downstairs and at the corner of my eye, I can see the man is now heading in my direction, so I bolted back up. I ducked into a classroom, and very shortly after, I saw the man go by very fast. I never saw the man on campus again. I have no idea if he was insane or just trying to scare me, but I can still hear the man's mortifying laugh. I'm a hunter here in Minnesota, in a town not far north of Mill Lacks Lake. I have a handful of stories detailing freaky incidents that have taken place on hunts. Here is the first. One season in particular, I was fairly deep in the woods on a snowmobile trail. When I hunt, I typically carry my knife and pack. I feel fairly confident in these woods, but this season I had some concern. The deer population seemed lower on our property recently and we knew that there were wolves around because you would find their tracks not to mention being able to hear them howl at night but luckily they typically don't mess with people but as I was scanning for deer tracks in the dirt I found a different set of tracks that stood out to me. They looked canine minus the nail marks and was a bit wider. The paw on it Looked like a 150 pound animal. Then it clicked that this was a feline track. A big one, and fairly fresh. I knew that there were bobcats around, but they don't get that big, so the next logical step is to assume that there was a cougar in the area. I decided to double back, so I'm heading back east on the trail when my dad calls and asks me to do a push through the woods towards his stand. So I say sure. At this point, his stand is maybe 500 meters through thick woods from me, and I'm concerned about the large predator nearby. But I also know that I'm 6'4", and about 190 pounds before putting on my gear. Statistically speaking, cougars don't tend to attack healthy adult men. So I push forward. I get about halfway to the other stand when I get concerned because I lost my marker. I stop to regain my bearings, and then it hits me. Something in my gut tells me, You are being watched. Then I notice how still the woods are. Deathly quiet. Then I hear a branch snap behind me, maybe twenty meters. I ready my rifle and scan in a circle, but only see trees and brush. I wait, and it's just way too quiet, so I push forward towards my dad's stand, the whole time, hearing something not far behind me that's quietly keeping pace. Eventually I stop hearing it, and the woods went back to normal with the birds singing and whatnot. Then... I stepped out onto the trail about 40 meters from my dad's stand. I suspect it was the cougar that made the tracks. My guess is that it thought that I would pick up too much of a fight or it caught my dad's scent and chose to back off. I never did see it, but something definitely was following me. Story number two. This happened like two years ago now. I decided to take my fiancé hiking after work one evening in a park with some nice bluffs to climb for a great view. If I'm honest, I was hoping to see a nice sunset and earn some boyfriend points so I could drink with my buddies on the weekend without complaint. You should know that this isn't a particularly safe thing to do at this time of night, so I gave her my tactical knife and I carried a 40 caliber pistol. We arrive And park the car before heading up the trail. Then, about 100 meters in, we spook what I assumed was a deer, which hauled ass away from us so quickly that I only saw a flash of tan. Honestly, it scared us pretty good, too. So I'm on edge, and we round a crest in a hill, and I see a black mass to my left in my peripheral vision. I unsnap the retention on my holster and turned to engage what turned out to be nothing but a mound of black dirt. So I calm down, and we continue on with our nice little evening hike, with birds chirping, bugs making noise, regular forest stuff. Now for the creepy part. Once we're within about 200 meters of the halfway point on the trail, it starts to feel real eerie, almost like we are being watched. This time it clicked right away. The woods are now dead, but I start noticing movement keeping pace with us, so I keep us moving towards the top of the hill, the high ground which is the halfway point on the trail. We reach it and stop, and so does whatever was following us. But the woods are still dead calm, and my fiancée tells me she thinks we are being followed. So we decide to move on, and take a shortcut back down to the bluff, to the paved trail. We make it, and the woods get back to normal sounds again. We considered hiking more, but were a bit too spooked and left the park. Now whatever was following us, I suspect, was another cougar. It was quiet, and we didn't see it, and the strangest part is that the stalking noises it did make sounded elevated, like it was moving from tree to tree, and big cats have been known to do this. Story number three, perhaps the least explainable of the three. This one happened around June or July of 2007, I believe. I was around 17 years old, and much more cocky then, but still somewhat knowledgeable of the outdoors. My family used to own a cabin in northwest Wisconsin. I basically grew up there in the summer and knew the woods well. But at night, it was wise to stay in the cabin, or at least by the bonfire by the beach, because of the bears, wolves, and cougars. One of the creepiest things was if you were having a bonfire, the tree line was visible from the fire pit and beach, and at night, you always felt like you were being watched from that tree line. But during the day, the woods always seemed normal, not creepy... That is, until this incident. This happened in broad daylight, sometime around noon. Me and my cousin were having an airsoft battle. I was in full woodland camo. He was not. I retreated onto the ATV trail into the woods for a tactical advantage, and our battle took us about 200 meters up the trail. We had enough at this point, and were standing at the edge of a clearing on the trail, talking, and he was maybe ten feet away from me. When I decided to mess with him, I shushed him and said, "'We're being watched.' He froze, and then I realized the woods were dead quiet, and I got spooked and started scanning the tree line and the other edge of the clearing from left to right when I saw it. Its teeth gave it away. It was panting and staring at my cousin.' I don't expect you to believe me, but what I saw was a wolf as big as a black bear, at least 300 pounds, but it wasn't normal, this wolf was on two legs crouching next to the tree, with its arm grasping the tree, grasping with a clawed hand, it had reddish brown fur, the next thing I know, we're both sprinting back towards our cabin, I looked back at the wolf, or bear, or whatever the hell it was, which was now in the process of full-on charging us, barreling through the brush, but for whatever reason, it stopped following us as we broke out of the tree line. What stuck with me the most was the sheer size. The wolf thing had to be nearly seven feet tall when upright, and that where it should have had front paws, it appeared to have large, clawed hands. Now I'm not sure how to explain it away rationally. I have heard wolves will occasionally kind of walk upright, but as far as I know, they can't sprint on two legs, nor do wolves get that big, and black bears more waddle on their hind legs. I still have no idea to this day exactly what that thing was.